Hello, and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Nikolai Humphreys here on Friday, July 30th. This week, we focus on an article in the July 31st, August 6th issue of the Lancet. It is an analysis of the Jupiter trial cohort, which looked at whether HDL cholesterol concentrations are predictive of cardiovascular risk at low concentrations of LDL cholesterol. Richard Lane interviews the lead author, Professor Paul Ritker, to discuss the findings. But, just before that, some other content highlights to give you. The main editorial discusses home birthing. The Lancet errs on the side of caution as we point to recent data from a meta-analysis published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology highlighting how women who choose home birthing have an increased risk of neonatal complications. An article by Mercier and colleagues investigates the potential benefits of inhaled nitric oxide in relation to lung development and survival in preterm infants. And the series on HIV in people who use drugs continues with the print publication of two more reviews. One of the barriers and ways forward for treatment and care for HIV-infected people who inject drugs. And the second looks at the medical, psychiatric and substance use comorbidities among HIV-infected drug users. One more thing I'd like to mention is Highlights 2010, a Lancet photography competition of sorts where we are inviting you to submit your photographs that capture an image of relevance to international health. You still have plenty of time to send in your photos, as a closing date is not until November the 1st. But now, as promised, I'll pass you over to my colleague Richard Lane, who earlier this week spoke to Professor Paul Ritker from the Center for Cardiovascular Disease Prevention at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, USA. Professor Ricker, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're one of the authors of a paper in this week's issue of The Lancet. It was published a few days ago online as well, before print. And this concerns a very interesting clinical issue, and this is to do with the effect of lipid lowering from statins, but specifically in relation to high-density lipoprotein, or if you like, good cholesterol. Can you outline the clinical issue of this paper? Certainly, and it's a pleasure to join The Lancet for this podcast. We all understand in broad prevention that measurement of total cholesterol and HDL cholesterol in both the European and the North American guidelines are well-established methods to help us assess cardiovascular risk, and HDL cholesterol in particular is very well-established protective risk factor for heart disease, which has led to speculation that drugs that are capable of increasing HDL cholesterol might have some clinical benefit. And as we're aware, there are many trials being planned or ongoing that we'll return to about whether increasing HDL uh, matters for clinical outcomes. The tension in this field has been that most of the data describing the relationship of HDL to risk comes from studies in the West where moderate to high levels of LDL cholesterol are seen in our patients. And in this work, what's novel is that we wanted to ask the question, does HDL remain an important predictor of risk when we drop LDL cholesterol with potent statin therapy into ranges that are typically not seen in the West. In other words, since we have the availability to very potent statin therapy for our patients, is HDL cholesterol still a marker of what we call residual risk once the LDL cholesterol is taken very low? Thank you very much for that. And can you now go on and tell us and tell our audience a little bit more about the design of the study because the patients that were recruited were from a a subset of of the JUPITER trial. Is that correct? That's correct. The JUPITER trial was a large-scale, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial 
of a potent statin, resuvastatin, at 20 milligrams compared to placebo among approximately 18,000 individuals who were selected because at baseline they had a level of LDL cholesterol we typically consider average if not low. The baseline level had to be below 3.4 millimole per liter. But the question originally in Jupiter was, would they benefit from a statin therapy because their HSCRP, the C-reactive protein, was elevated above 2? And as listeners of the podcast are well aware from data we previously published, uh, and some of it in The Lancet, that uh, uh, resuvastatin was highly effective. Uh, 55% reduction in myocardial infarction, 48% reduction in stroke, 20% reduction in total mortality among a group of patients who would not normally be treated with a statin, either in Europe or in the United States, because their native LDL is actually considered uh, quite acceptable, but they're at high risk because of their CRP. Well, we used that trial to ask this question when we lowered the LDL cholesterol down to an average of 1.4 millimole per liter, so about, in our terms, about 50 milligrams per deciliter, the range that many of us think is a value that uh, is quite uh, aggressive, was there evidence that the on-treatment levels of HDL cholesterol continued to predict risk? That was the core structure of this study. The bottom line is that what we found is that in those randomized to placebo, HDL cholesterol levels did in fact predict risk both at baseline and in follow-up. So that suggests the Jupiter population is very representative of the general patients that we see. And just to clarify, for those in the placebo group then, the HDL cholesterol levels, that was an inverse then relation to cardiovascular risk. That's exactly correct. So the same protective effect that a higher HDL is associated with lower risk that we see in the general population was seen among those in the Jupiter trial who were randomly allocated to placebo. Got it. Thank you. But by contrast, among those that were randomly allocated to resuvastatin, on-treatment levels of HDL cholesterol were not predicting future cardiac risk. And that is the question that's now being raised by these data in terms of what's the clinical importance of knowing your patient's HDL level once you, in fact, have taken the LDL cholesterol uh, using a powerful pharmacologic approach into the range that most of us think is quite protective uh, for heart disease. So do you have any idea as to, as to what that significance is? Well, the first thing we did is ask what had prior studies shown. Jupiter is important and unique in that it's primary prevention. We found data that two prior studies that looked at high-dose atorvastatin in patients who had acute coronary syndromes, that would be the prove it to me 22 trial and the so-called TNT or treat-to-new-targets trial, they both also found a very similar observation that once you lowered the LDL cholesterol substantially, the on-treatment HDL uh, was not significantly associated with risk. So what we see is that at least in statin trials where the on-treatment levels of LDL are very aggressively reduced, it remains a bit unclear as to the importance of HDL. Now, I think clinically there are several issues to think about here. Uh, by no means are we suggesting that HDL is not important. Of course it's important, and it remains a very useful way of predicting risk. The European SCORE system, the North American Framingham system, our own Reynolds risk score system, all incorporate HDL screening into general risk prediction. On the other hand, it does suggest that once we use a powerful statin, and I think all investigators would now agree that the statin trials have been remarkably consistent, showing benefits in all groups of patients, 
uh, that in the setting of, and particularly with generic high-dose statins becoming available, we have to now ask questions about future drug development. There are many ongoing studies, very important studies, being launched in the next six months uh, that are asking questions, do we have agents that will raise HDL cholesterol substantially, and will those agents lower cardiac risk? These are questions we really need to answer, and the international cardiovascular and primary care community needs to support these trials. On the other hand, these data suggest that perhaps those studies need to be done in the context of people on substantial doses of a statin classes of drugs that we already know are very effective, and perhaps we have to go into these trials with an open mind about whether or not, at the end of the day, raising HDL is going to matter a great deal. Now, I say that as an investigator who really believes that the randomized trials have to dictate our care. The uh, UK NICE organization does a nice job of putting together guidelines uh, in this regard, and these trials are very important to support. But our question always will be, is a novel agent added on top of a statin better than the statin alone? And that, I think, is where we have to go into these studies and ask that that critical question. Thank you. So does that mean, therefore, the implications from these data coming out of your study published in The Lancet in this week's issue is, is about prioritizing future research paradigms rather than actually solving clinical questions? Is that where we are? I think that there is a clinical issue in terms of the utility of measuring HDL after putting a patient on a statin, but I think the broader issue is exactly what you say. We have to think through how we conceive of studies that raise HDL. We have to think through, is measuring chemical HDL the correct way of measuring HDL? Perhaps we need to measure what's called functional HDL or inflammatory HDL. Maybe HDL particles matter more than the actual chemical measure. And again, we have to remind ourselves that the potential for a large change in HDL could well be beneficial, but we just don't know. So we look at these data as raising several questions that will require major trials to answer and to remind us of how complex the biology of atherosclerosis truly is. And I suppose then also to remind us how effective drugs we know work truly are. Again, in the uh, Jupiter trial, we cut the rate of heart attack and stroke in half by giving individuals resuvastatin at 20 milligrams uh, in groups that still are not covered in any of the uh, European guidelines. And so our public health issues are how do we take data on drugs that we know are effective and get those into practice, and how do we move forward with novel interventions and see how they work as well. Well, it's a fascinating study. Professor Paul Ricker on the line from Harvard Medical School and um, Brigham's Women Hospital, Boston, United States. Thank you very much indeed for talking to The Lancet. Oh, the pleasure is entirely mine. And that concludes this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. See you again next week.